A penalty shot with a chance to end it. Radulov picks it up at center, weaves his way down the middle. Radulov shoots, and Riddick makes the save. And explodes after doing it with great emotion. As he says to the Russian, no, 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 no. The more I watch that guy play, the more convinced I get. David Riddick's the real deal, ladies and gentlemen, and he wrote another chapter last night. Well, he has been Calgary's best player through the first four games of the season. Now 2-1-1, one, one. save percentage is up to 929. He was outstanding once again last night, was named the number one star in Dallas, deserved to be the number one star. He was the best player on the ice. He's been well-positioned. He's made a ton of saves on high-end chances. He's been composed, and his teammates absolutely love him. I know he did not have a great second half of last season, and I know that he was not up to par when he had a chance to take over from Mike Smith following his injury two years ago. But I am more confident now than I ever have been that this is the team's number one goalie long term. And and I've been pretty confident and pretty high on David Riddick over the last number of years. And I'm more confident now than I ever have been that this is their guy. This is a heck of a start to the season, Will. And I think if you're a Flames fan or if you're a member of the Flames, this is exactly what you were hoping for and what you were praying for from a goaltending perspective, knowing how unsettled that position has been over the last half decade or so yeah and certainly gives you confidence you're playing in front of a goaltender like that but i will say this i don't necessarily disagree with you but it's been four games and Mm -hmm. i think you know this is a guy that again until like for me if i'm gonna get to a spot where you are where i'm fully confident he is the real deal he is the guy and i know he was injured last year That seems like more of an excuse than anything to me because he wasn't on IR. He wasn't, you know, missing time. He was still dressing for every game. So not sure how banged up he was. But for me, and, you know, I I think it started this offseason when a lot of the game's greats, if something is not right in their game, they do something to address it. And he obviously changed his diet with the Coca-Cola. He worked out way more and way longer this offseason. And we are seeing the early results of that. But for me to get to that point where he is the unquestioned future number one goaltender of this team, he needs to do it come March and April and not have that drop-off where we've seen it the last two years when the second half of his season, the statistics have not been the same as they were in the first half. But I will say I'm more confident this season we're actually going to see it because of what Mm -hmm. I just talked about and the fact that he did what a lot of great, great around this game do and that is look in the mirror and say what can I do to be better what do I need to do take that next step and I think he addressed some of those issues and I do think he's got a great chance to buck that trend of things falling off in the second half but I'm not getting to that point until we see it from him yeah and and I am the first one to say until you do it you haven't done it and I know that sounds like big time rocket science but what I mean by that is until you've proven that you can carry a number one workload and play at a number one level over a full season then i i'm i'm not ready to say that you're that guy but i am quite confident that he will be that guy i'm quite confident that he can be that guy and that he can do it over a full season and you know and and maybe maybe you look at this as me giving him a free pass maybe not but i look at it and then i i don't i don't know if i see the injury 
situation quite as uh, much of a as an excuse as you do from last year. And I also look at his first year. It's the guy's first year playing full time in the NHL, and yeah, he drops off in the second half of the season when Mike Smith goes down. But you know, all this guy has done throughout his career is get better every single year. And so it happened from year one in the NHL to year two. So I don't think it's a surprise if it were to happen again from year two to year three in the NHL. So I, I I'm I'm confident and. And yes, he has to do it. And yes, he has to prove it. But I think we're on the same page in the fact that we're pretty confident that he can prove it this year. Would that be would that be a fair uh, paraphrase of you? For sure. But yeah, like I said, I'm not. I'm just. I'm not ready to say he's the real deal. Four games into a year, I need to see it through well, sixty. That's James Neal's the real deal. You can't. Well, you can't you, you started James the show Neal by can't. saying he's the real deal, so I was using that's your terminology. Point. That's a good um, point. I've 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 really sewered myself. Yeah, actually. No, no, you definitely used that in your first sentence of the show. Um, but no, I I think four games is a great sample size. But again, I just I caution until we see it come March, April. I'm just not ready to say, yes, this guy is absolutely the number one. I think he's got a great chance to be. So I think your, your second um, phrase of the question was perfect. I, yeah, I, I think we've got great confidence, probably more than ever before, that he actually can do it, but we've got to see it first. Uh, and the text line caught onto it before I even caught onto it. It's right here in my script that I write out. It says the real deal. Uh, I apologize. I know that's a sore spot for some people right now in Flames Nation. Uh, so let me rephrase. In fact, we should probably just start the whole show again. Can we back time up six minutes, Will, and start the whole show again? Uh, Talking Calgary sports <laughs> right now. Patrick Steinberg on the air, online, and on Twitter. Sportsnet 960, the fan. A penalty shot with a chance to end it. Radulov picks it up at center. Weaves his way down the middle. Radulov shoots and Riddick makes the save. And explodes after doing it with great emotion. As he says to the Russian, no, 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 no. The more I watch this guy play, Will, the more convinced I get. David Riddick is the... David Riddick is the guy... For the Calgary Flames in net. That was very funny. Well played by you. Um, yeah. No, I senor! No, senor! No, senor! I apologize for that terminology. But, uh, yes, look, David Riddick has been very good. He's been the team's best player through four games to start the season. He's sitting at a 929 save percentage. And I'm the first one to tell you that, okay, especially when talking about goaltending, sample size is important and four games is not an entire season and not one to make any definitive judgments. It's not just the four games that I'm bought into. It's the four games to start this year. It's what we saw prior to the injury last year. It's what he's been able to do throughout his career. Let's see. Let's see if he can do it. Let's see if a full season of being a number one is in the cards. Oh, and by the way, last night, David Riddick, his first shootout game, first shootout win, rather, in five tries. He was 0-4 prior to last night in the shootout. He makes two of three saves last night, and uh, as Riddick told us after the game last night, was well aware of his shootout record. Do you see my record? I don't. Don't even look at it. So uh, I'm glad I got first uh, first win in a shootout. That's your first win yeah. in a shootout. So don't look at the record. <laughs> so Riddick says don't look at the record. Sorry, we looked at the record. Uh, what do we got on the uh, Glenn Morati fan feedback text line? My feelings right now are so awesome. 
Well, after last night, how could it not be? Uh, they don't call him Big Save Dave for nothing. That comes from Luke. This from Mike. Riddick, in my opinion, has, has had one below average second half. His rookie season was quite good, minus a few outlier games where the team gave up on him. I like Riddick's odds, as he's just one hell of a goaltender. This, Riddick reminds me a lot of Kiprasov. I'm not saying he's on that level as a goalie yet, but in terms of temperament and how he never seems to be rattled, the dry sense of humor and everything, he seems to have the tools to be a true number one guy what else we got here uh pat the flames uh, or so should we thank radulov for that second point those were two pretty lackadaisical penalty shot attempts last night you know i actually didn't mind the penalty shot attempt like i i got what he was trying to do i think he was trying to do what sagan did on his shootout attempt he just didn't execute but that that shootout attempt from radulov was weak the penalty shot okay i, I think i understood what he was trying to do the the shootout attempt clearly riddick was in his head after he had just stopped him on a breakaway a couple of minutes before um in terms of goalies for calgary do you think we're spoiled because we had a decade of kiprasov and that's why we're a little gun shy on anyone else coming in besides the obvious not working out or not being quality enough and that's that's a good point it's been brought up before i do think that this market and us as observers were spoiled by having mika kiprasov be that guy for you know we're, we're talking the better part of a decade from late 03 into the into that 13 or that 12 13 season whatever it was the 13 14 season so it was about a decade of kiprasov being the guy and and for about half of that decade will kiprasov was an elite no questions asked one two goalie in the nhl there were five years there where he was in the vesna trophy conversation every year and while things definitely started to take steps back as as time went on i mean he was still the guy for a decade. And I, and I do think that has really made it difficult to have the conversation fairly about goaltending in this conversation ever since because of the standard Kiprasov set. Yeah, he was so good for so long, and, and I think you would be the first to probably agree with me. Like, if you look at half those teams Kiprasov was on, did they deserve to be in the playoffs? Uh, I don't know. I mean, he certainly was a guy who, um, you know, got rid of some of those. He certainly clouded the judgment on maybe what that team actually was and, and as a result, you know, kept on again longer and, and the list goes on and on and on. But, yeah, that's how good he was. He, you know, was able to get some average Flames teams in the playoffs. Now, they didn't win any rounds, but certainly had that playoff streak going, and I think Kiprasov was a big reason for that. So I think there's absolutely something to be said that, you know, this is a market that's been pretty spoiled by great goaltenders for the last you know, whatever that was, decade plus with Kiprasov. I'll, I'll go to my grave um, probably in the next 20 to 30 years. I don't see myself living much past 60. 60. Um, but, no, I'll, I'll go to my grave saying that the the reason, the number one reason, no disrespect to Aginla, to Conroy, to Regeer, to Jelena, to anybody else, the number one reason why the Flames made it to uh, game number seven of the Stanley Cup final 15 years ago was because of Mika Kiprasov. There's, there's no doubt in my mind that he was the number one driving force. Aginla was the captain, and there were some big goals scored elsewhere, but you know Kiprasov was out of his mind. And coming out of the lockout the following year, there were probably three years where Kiprasov was elite and the Flames were a pretty decent team in front of him. 
So and then and then yeah, I think there was some time where he started to cover up some of the deficiencies of the team as time went along. So look, Out of I his think mine tonight. He was. There were many of those games. Um, I, I think any comparison to Kiprasov for Riddick is premature, but I do see the similarities in temperament, similarities in background, similarities in how they came to the NHL, so on and so forth. So we'll see how it all plays out. But nice start to the season for David Riddick. He's 2-1-1 with a 9.29 save percentage. He's been their most consistent and their best player to start the year. Welcome to Adrenaline Source for Sports on this Friday afternoon. My name is Pat Steinberg. 9309 McLeod Trail South is where the Steinberg Show and Pinder and Steinberg's coming at you from this afternoon. We'll be here until 6 o'clock. We'll tell you a little bit more about adrenaline as we continue along, but this is your number one stop for hockey equipment, for all winter sporting equipment, not just hockey. Um, and right now, they're undergoing a renovation that is almost done. And I, I, I saw some of the plans a little earlier upon getting here. This place is going to look pretty spiffy when it's all said and done. Still open today, though, until 9 o'clock. Adrenaline Source for Sports open, 9309 McLeod Trail South. A um, couple of other Flames topics kicking around my head from last night, Will. How, how worried are we about Sam Bennett's penalties? Because that's back-to-back games with silly, uh, undisciplined stick penalties, a slash last night that did not lead to a goal, and a trip on Tuesday night that was kind of directly responsible for the overtime winner just seconds after the Flames back to back that game late. So... At least he didn't hurt the team in that regard last night with a penalty. Uh, he did have a giveaway that led to a goal the other way. But specifically on the penalties, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm concerned, but it's definitely something I'm watching. After he took 93 penalty minutes last year, and, and some of that was... The, the type of penalties that you want. There were some fights in there. There were some, you know, those aggression penalties in there that coaches like. But there were also a lot of stick infractions and a lot of lazy stick infractions, and, and that's what we've seen the last couple of days. So I don't want to say I'm worried about it, but it's definitely something that I've got my eye on. How long have I been talking about Bennett's bad penalties, Pat? For a while now. Feels like a couple of years. Um... Well, he got, if you remember, I believe it was Glenn Gullitson's second year as head coach. Remember, Bennett got healthy scratched because of some of the penalties that he had been taken. Yeah, I mean, like, it's it's crazy. And and the thing for me that I think is most frustrating is they're all avoidable. Like, every single one of them are lazy stick fouls, and half of them come in the offensive zone when you should never be taking a penalty. So, um, you know, you look at Mark Giordano's penalty last night. Was the result of a penalty shot what you wanted? No, but that is kind of the definition of a good penalty to take. And and Bennett does not take any of those. And the team was hurt by it in that L.A. game on Tuesday. You're right, none of them directly impacted last night. But this has become a problem for Sam Bennett because he is a guy that has racked up weird minor totals in the last couple of years that just make you scratch your head. It makes no sense. And, yeah, I think at this point, like, I've looked at it and I've said that, you know, he's a guy that because of his – bad penalties I wouldn't be surprised to see him healthy scratched a couple of times now it hasn't gotten to that point yet and I don't know if the coaching staff has ever considered that but you know to me it's just seems like a guy who's trying to use that grit angle and he's just taking a lot of dumb penalties instead I didn't mind the first penalty he took against the Kings on Tuesday night he he ran Doughty and 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 I feel like 
in a game like that as a coach, you're probably okay with that penalty. They didn't come out at a great time. I think it was 3-2 at the time. And you're like, okay, well, you don't really need to give him a panel, a power play the other way right now. But those are the ones that I think you're, you're okay killing off as a team. You're like, yeah, he just went and nailed Drew Doughty. And, yeah, they got him on it. But I, I could live with that one. It was the trip after the – like, just don't put your stick there. It, it, both teams are playing for overtime at this time. Like, just keep your stick away from there. you, you got to be smart with it. And then last night it was a slashing call that was pretty needless in the first period, too. So it's it's only two games, and, and he hadn't taken any penalties in the first two games, and I quite like Bennett's game the first two games of the season. But this has been a trend, so it's definitely something I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, I thought eye on Milan Lutz. Yeah, you should keep your eye on me. Uh, I thought Milan Lucic struggled mightily last night. Um, and and I'll bounce my theory off of you. I'm curious if you agree. But I think those are the games where I think Lucic struggles the most for a couple of different reasons. First of all, unlike tomorrow and unlike Sunday, there's not a guy on the other side that Lucic can neutralize. There's no Ryan Reeves. There's no Evander Kane. Like There's nobody quite like that. There's not even a Zadorov or somebody like that that Lucic is there and, and you know that, that deterrent can be a part of the game. So that's number one because there's nobody on the Dallas Stars that fits that role right now. And number two, that's a fast team, a Dallas team that plays with speed and pace, and those are the games where, especially if there's not that other guy on the other side to make Lucic's role more defined, you put him out there at five on five, he's going to really struggle. He, he, I, I felt like there were multiple, like we're talking eight, nine, ten times where plays died on his stick in the offensive zone he was reaching a lot he was chasing a lot those are the games where i think lucic is going to struggle the most yeah i think it's probably fair and i i wouldn't be surprised if we get to a point this season where he might be a guy who comes out for an austin zarnik in these situations now i don't i don't think that happens all the time but i would not be surprised if that's a move bill peters makes i know we've got the you know the back-to-back this weekend for the flames i'm curious if Lucic plays in both of those, I would think he probably does. But, yeah, I, I think going forward that's something that we're going to have to keep an eye on because you're right. I think those are the games where it's a fast opponent, where there is no, you know, uh, Curtis McDermott on the other side. I, I think there is going to be situations like that this season where he might not suit the game you're trying to play, and um, you might have to look at some different lineup opportunities. So we'll see how it plays out. And I, I would suggest, Pat, that Vegas tomorrow – is almost the same type of opponent in that sense. The only the the only reason that it might work better tomorrow is because there is a Ryan Reeves on the other side that might that might make it so that his um, his impact on the game is a little larger. Uh, Who would you rather fight, pr- by the way? Uh, between Reeves and Lucic, yeah. uh, I'd rather just jump into traffic and take my chances because I think I've got a better chance of surviving. So running across Deerfoot in full-on traffic, you'd, you'd take your chances there as opposed to Lucic or Reeves, up? yeah, I think so. Because I feel like I'm agile enough, I might, I'd have like a 12% chance of surviving across Deerfoot. I don't think that I'd have those same chances uh, against Lucic or Reeves. That's, that's, where I, that's where I... What about you? Uh... Deerfoot, pro- Reeves, or Lucic? I'd probably just put my hands behind my back, tell Reeves to punch me once, and be done with it. See, I think that got I a better chance of surviving that as opposed to getting hit by a car at 110. But I'm, I feel like I'm agile enough. I no, you're definitely here, not. But, yeah, I, uh, you've never and those, seen me those, dodge traffic. Those before, little though. legs getting hit by a car would not do well for you. 
Uh, I mean, I don't. If even if they were big legs, I don't <laughs> think true. They, they would. They would really help me at you know. No, even if you had Sidney Crosby's legs, I don't think it's happening. Yeah. The most unique body I've oh, ever geez. seen. Uh, we are underway on the Steinberg Show today. He's Will. I'm Pat. Happy Friday. Flames into Vegas. Uh, they'll play the Golden Knights tomorrow and then the San Jose Sharks on Sunday. We're live from Adrenaline Source for Sports 9309 McLeod Trail South. This place is an institution for us here at Sportsnet 960. The fan, uh, whether you're talking goalie equipment, high end equipment for the hockey player, or Entry-level equipment, they are going to put you in the type of skates, the type of gear that you need to get on the ice ASAP. They've got a high-end pro shop. They've got the best apparel in the city. Uh, come check them out. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight. Adrenaline Source for Sports. John and the gang welcoming us once again this afternoon. Week 18 of the CFL season starts tonight on a couple fronts, including a huge game at McMahon. We've got a preview up next. It's the Steinberg Show underway. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. First place on the line in the Canadian Football League's West Division tonight. McMahon Stadium, Stampeders, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, 7.30 kickoff. Very busy Week 18 news slate as we welcome you back to the Steinberg Show. Let's welcome in our CFL insider from CFL.ca, Jeff Creever, who joins us now. We'll get into that game between the Stamps and the Riders and a whole lot more on the field in a couple of minutes. But, Creever, let's start with some stuff off the field. And Toronto's decision to fire GM Jim Pop, I think, caught a lot of people by surprise earlier in the week. They replace Jim Pop with Pinball Clemens. What does uh, what does pinball bring to this Argonauts organization? Well, what what was more surprising to you, Pop's dismissal or the Argos choosing pinball as their next GM? I, I don't think pinball was on many people's short list of possibly being the next GM of of any CFL team or or the Argos. Mainly Pretty, because it was yeah. mainly because pinball has run the gamut of so many positions in that Argos organization. I just thought that he'd done them all. But so I, <laughs> it might have been more surprising that they chose pinball as the replacement. Yeah, and it's funny because he even admitted in the press conference, he said, hey, you know, Bill Manning approached me a couple times, and, and I said no. <laughs> and then eventually, uh, maybe the third time, he said yes. Uh, it still doesn't feel as though it's a long-term fit, pinball being the GM of the Argos. Uh, he's had success as a coach before, uh, but admittedly not, not the biggest X's and O's guy. Uh, he got a lot out of that team in 04 when they won a great cup as head coach, and he knows how to bring a room together. He knows how to motivate guys. That's uh, his best trait. I mean, he, he can make you run through a wall uh, in a second if he wanted to. Uh, I feel as though he's here to kind of calm those waters, and, and um, yeah, pun entirely intended, but it, things are tough right now in Toronto, off the field, uh, on the field. It, it's an image thing. When you're 2-12, and 12, uh, that's a struggling franchise. And, and since winning the Grey Cup, the record speaks for itself. Things have not been going well. And uh, Pinball has a chance to unify everyone, to bring everyone together, and to sort of be a symbol, to uh, be that person that's going to get everybody on the same page and motivated and working towards the same cause. John Murphy, in my opinion, uh, is a really good hire here because he's going to be pinball's number one football guy. And we know he was highly touted by John Huffnagel. Um, he's had success with the Riders, uh, with Chris Jones there. Uh, and basically everywhere he's gone, he's had a ton of success. So it's a really interesting dynamic between those two. A lot of people wonder, eh, well, personality-wise, how do those two go together? 
I personally think it's a really good fit between them. And eventually this should lead uh, to John Murphy being the GM of the Argos, I would think, long term. That's that's what you think the play here is? I, I do. And I, I, I just think Pinball – and Pinball doesn't want to do this for that long. I, I mean, I, like I said, I, I don't think he fully wanted to do it in the first place. He's doing it because he loves his team. I don't know anyone that loves the Argos more than Pinball. And if he his voice can come in there – and cause a spark and get that front office uh, on the same page uh, and make a difference while John Murphy's doing a lot of the the day-to-day football stuff. And and that's not to sell pinball short. I mean, he's making all the final decisions on these things, uh, and and he's going to be still the the major brains of the operation. But I I think John Murphy's going to be a really big part of that. And, and, uh, hey, we talked about the analytics aspect of this, and I don't want to get too carried away, but that was one one theme of the press conference, pinball talking about analytics. To me, that's a big part of it. That's a John Murphy thing. Murph's always been big on analytics um, with the riders and, and going back to Calgary. Um, you've seen a lot of the things that the Stampeders have done, going for two-point conversions and things like that, decisions on the field. Um, that's probably John Murphy's biggest strength. He's always looking um, at new ways uh, to be successful and to have success on the field. Uh, with some of those decisions, talk about when to go for third down, when to kick it, uh, when to go for two, and, and various things like that. In fact, uh, I think he's had some influence uh, on a lot of the newer stats that, that we're starting to see teams look at as well and trends around the league. Jeff Creever is with us from CFL.ca, our CFL insider. Let's look at some of the on-the-field action, and we'll stay on the Argos. They kick off Week 18 tonight. Not a whole lot of important league implications with the Argos and the Red Blacks tonight, but anything you've got your eye on tonight? Yeah, uh, anytime a quarterback makes his first career start, it's interesting. And I think Will Arntz is a really cool story. Uh, the, the Division Three quarterback, Paul Apolise, kind of shouted him out on Twitter uh, today, I believe, saying, hey, I don't know if we've ever had a quarterback at a D3 uh, starting a game in the CFL pretty cool story he actually went to i believe it was fort mcmurray um to play uh semi-pro ball there before he even signed in the cfl uh so he he kind of got a bit of a grasp of what canadian football is all about and uh, you you can guarantee he's going to be ready for this opportunity because sometimes that underdog that guy that has to work harder than everybody else to get where he is sometimes he, he makes a story of it he flips the script and he comes out on top and Ottawa's just looking for a spark, looking for an answer uh, going into 2020. Uh, they're still not mathematically eliminated from the playoffs, but they're probably figuring, hey, Jonathan Jennings, Dominic Davis, these guys aren't the answer. Uh, maybe Will Lawrence isn't the answer, but let's at least give him a chance before we go into the offseason uh, and really look for a franchise quarterback and look for an answer there uh, in a season where they just haven't had it. The games that matter for real start later on tonight 7 30 game between the calgary stampeders and saskatchewan rough riders battle for first place in the west division it's a 7 30 kickoff here in calgary you're thinking this might be a tough one for the riders how come i think it will be uh first of all the stamps are coming off a loss and they usually bounce back from their losses pretty well that's a team that has been heating up uh, despite all the roster turnover, Dave Dickinson was kind of saying this week he can't remember a season when the Stamps have had so much change on the roster uh, from week to week, whether due to injuries, uh, shuffling the deck after a lot of offseason departures. There are a number of factors there. Uh, but this Calgary team has been coming together. The biggest 
aspect for me, other than this game being at McMahon, where the Stamps are always tough to beat, but it's Bo. And I thought Bo Levi Mitchell looked absolutely terrific against Montreal. Uh, result aside, because, yeah, the Stamps turned the ball over, they went cold in the second half, and they didn't get the win uh, in Montreal. But I was a little skeptical of Bo, thinking, hey, he doesn't look himself coming off this injury that's kind of bothered him all season. Last week was the first week where I thought Bo Levi Mitchell looks sharp. He looks like he's ready now uh, for November, for the playoffs, uh, for some meaningful games down the stretch. He was incredibly accurate. Uh, that pass on the corner to uh, to Josh Huff for the touchdown was a thing of beauty. And you take those fumbles away and, and uh, you know, a couple times where the Stamps just couldn't finish off drives and they should have put up 30-plus points in that game uh, against a pretty good Montreal team. So, uh, I like the direction the Stamps are headed in. And, and also, we have to remember the last time these teams played, yeah, it was a while ago, but it was Cody Fajardo's worst game as a starter. And now you're asking Fajardo, a first-year starter, to go into McMahon and, and figure out that defense. It's going to be a tough task and a pretty good measuring stick for the Riders. Eric Rogers of the Stampeders doesn't sound like he's too bought in on this Riders team, does he? Doesn't seem to be. Doesn't seem to be. He kind of, without actually saying it, he kind of implied, eh, these guys aren't all they're built up to be. You know, and, and Cody Fajardo, eh, I'm not buying the hype quite yet. That's, that's sort of where he was going with that. And, hey, uh, for good reason. It was funny because Dave Dickinson kind of mentioned this week how much uh, these two teams, and especially the Riders, have changed since the last time uh, these teams met, which was, I think it was back in week four or something like that. It was, it was in the first month of the season. And Eric Rodgers just came out and said, I, I don't think they've changed that much. I think they're still the same team. And, and uh, last time our defense gave Fajardo and that Riders offense a lot of trouble. That's a, that's a very confident Eric Rodgers right now and a very confident Stan Peters team. Kind of like they've been in this situation before a few times, right? No doubt. No doubt. And look, the uh, Stan Peters play good in big games. And this is a big game tonight. They, it's going to be a very interesting crowd. I know the Stamps are hoping that uh, Riders fans don't invade, but they always do. Uh, battle for first place in the West Division tonight at McMahon Stadium, Calgary, and the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Jeff Creavers, our CFL.ca, CFL Insider. couple more tomorrow in Montreal. Uh, tomorrow it's Montreal, rather, in Winnipeg. Uh, and this, uh, this looks like it could be a high-scoring match. You've got... Chris Streveler circled for you, but uh, what do you see between Montreal and Winnipeg? Well, a couple of interesting lineup changes on the Montreal side because William Stanback's out of the lineup and Jeremiah Johnson is starting at running back. Stanback on the one-game injured list. I wonder how much of this is, is William Stanback dinged up uh, and how much of this is, well, Stanback hasn't been that effective of late. Uh, as much as I like the guy. And hey, Jeremiah Johnson's got fresh legs. He's a bit of a speedster. Uh, and Stanback pounding the ball up the middle against this Winnipeg defense, which is the best run defense in the league, uh, may not be the most effective thing. So really curious to see how Vernon Adams can use the speed uh, of Jeremiah Johnson, especially in the passing game. Uh, the veteran experience and the pass blocking there, uh, I think, weighs into it. And also Chris Matthews uh, out again, won't play uh, against his former team in Winnipeg. So Matthew's sitting for a second straight week, which I think is interesting. It's a deep receiving group there uh, in Montreal. I'm sure he'll get in at some point. Um, but, you know, they, they've got Quan Bray. They've got some really good pass catchers there. Uh, and Jake Weineke uh, has done enough probably to hold Matthews off from taking his job. So I, I do see a really high-scoring matchup once again. 
I, I think the Owls will try to balance things out and run the ball a little bit more than last time. Uh, William Stanback, only five carries in that game. But it's no secret. The ball is going to be in the hands of Vernon Adams Jr. And uh, on the other side, that head-to-head uh, with Chris Strebler, who also had a really good game against Montreal the last time these teams met. Uh, I think that's what this is going to come down to. How many plays can those quarterbacks make? And can they avoid the big mistake? And finally, who do you like between BC and Edmonton? Lions have their season on the line, but boy, if they beat the Asks, all of a sudden the playoff conversation really heats up in BC. Edmonton is reeling, but this is a big game for them. Who do you like between the Eskimos and the Lions tomorrow night? Tough call. I I go with BC because I like the matchup for them at quarterback. I I see Mike Riley uh, having a much better chance to go into a big game and rally his offense than Logan Kilgore, who at this point in his CFL career, yeah, maybe he's got a little bit of upside, but he's a backup. He, that's where that's where he belongs. He's a number two or number three quarterback, and so far he hasn't shown uh, the ability to be a difference maker in place of Trevor Harris for the Eskimos. A uh, couple of interesting changes on the Eskimos' side. Uh, Christian Jones going out at wide receiver, getting the starting job there uh, in place of Tavon Smith, who's out. Um, that's a speedster because Christian Jones, I mean, we know, we both know, and we've taken him in fantasy, I believe, before at the, at the running back spot. But uh, he's one of those guys, you get him one touch and he could be gone. And the same goes for Shaq Cooper, who's in at running back this week in place of C.J. Gable. So a different-looking Eskimos offense. Really curious to see if they take some shots with those two guys. That There's, there's more big play uh, ability. But yeah, at the end of the day, I can't argue with how the Lions are playing. Uh, they've they've looked really good, albeit against weaker competition at times. Good stuff, Mr. Craver. Enjoy week 18 of the CFL season. Appreciate the time as always. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. Jeff Creever, our CFL insider, CFL.ca, on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Same secret recipe since 1975. For pickup or delivery, call 403-248-3344 and find them at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. This is the Steinberg Show on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. The Steinberg Show, brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. FifthAvVW.com. Time to turn up the heat. These are three burning questions on the Steinberg Show. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Will Nalt has our three burning questions this afternoon. What do we got, Willie? Double, uh, not doubleheader, but a back-to-back situation for the Flames this weekend on Saturday in Vegas, Sunday in San Jose. You watched that game last night. I think we all anticipate Cam Talbot getting one of those two games, but Pat, if you were Bill Peters or you're on that coaching staff, what changes to the lineup, if any, are you recommending heading into a busy weekend with divisional opponents? Huh. Well, I, I definitely am going to get Zarnik into one of those games, and I'm just trying to think which one I would go with. As a, I, I think I'd probably go Zarnik on the second half of the back-to-back and maybe bring Shillington back in on the second half of the back-to-back. So that, that would probably be how I would go about it, and I would go Riddick against Vegas, Talbot against San Jose. So, yeah, I would probably bring Stone out and bring, whether it's Reader or somebody else out, I'd bring them out. Uh, in the San Jose game two, and insert Zarnik up front, insert Shillington on the back. How just quickly? How was Stone for you last night? I thought he was fine. I mean, it it was it was a strange night. Um, they spent a lot of time defending, um, which 
is kind of what you expect from Stone. He gets a lot of he, he spends a lot of his time or a lot of he starts a lot of his shifts rather in the defensive zone. Uh, always has since joining the Flames. Uh, so he's never he's never a guy that you're going to count on too much for you know moving the puck and and being a, a really good uh, north moving defenseman that type of stuff. But I thought he defended well. So in his first game, I thought I thought Stone looked pretty decent last night. Big game at McMahon tonight. What is key for the Calgary Stampeders to knock off Saskatchewan tonight at McMahon, knowing their last meeting, the Stampeders dominant in a game in Regina? Yeah, I mean, for me, this comes down to a defensive battle. I really do. Two of the best defenses in the CFL from a Stampeders perspective. I think the biggest thing is they need to make sure that Fajardo Make Fajardo throw the ball and make him a pocket passer. Don't let him beat you, and don't don't lose containment when he starts to uh, starts to freelance a little bit. So that would be that would be the big one for me. If Fajardo is going to beat you, make him beat you through the air. He's gotten so much better in that regard, but I still think that that is a, an area that you can perhaps force some mistakes in. Stampeders and Riders tonight. It is a 7.30 kickoff. Patty, we joked off the air about us being the home of the Raptors. And, you know, we haven't talked a lot about them. Defending NBA champions, losing Kawhi Leonard. The preseason is underway. And, yes, I know they were overseas to begin the preseason with a couple of games against the Houston Rockets. So with the time change and, and knowing that the NHL is in full swing, baseball playoffs, I get it. It's not top of the headlines for a lot of people. But we've talked a lot about this, and I don't think anyone knows the answer until we get to November, December. But defending champions, knowing the run that you know kind of brought everyone together last spring, what, what do you think this Raptors season looks like in terms of a nationwide support system for the Raptors? Well, I mean, I think there's more interest in it, but I don't think they're going to be the same Eastern Conference powerhouse they were last year. So I think that maybe some of that interest that was captured last year uh, goes away a little bit. Um, I think the Raptors are a playoff team, but I think they're probably more of a middle-of-the-road Eastern Conference team as opposed to being one of the no-question. And and by middle-of-the-road, I mean somewhere like three, four, five. I, don't, I just don't know if they're fighting for first place all year long. Uh, they still have some really good pieces. This is now Pascal Siakam's team. Um, and, and I guess Kyle Lowry's as well after, uh, after making sure that he's in the fold for a little while longer. But I just, I, I look at this and I say, yeah, I don't think they're going to be as good. So they might lose some of that support through the regular season but once they're back in the playoffs i think it'll be and i think they will get back to the playoffs once they're back there i think it'll uh be a pretty big deal once again three burning questions on your friday of a long weekend as uh, thanksgiving rolls into uh to our calendar this weekend there you go three burning questions on the steinberg show Join us tomorrow and join us Sunday for Flames warm-up at 7 o'clock. And as part of Flames warm-up between 7 and 8 o'clock, be tuned in for the iconic moment. I'll give you a moment from the past, ask you a trivia question. If you get that trivia question correct on the text line and you're the first one through, you'll be winning, uh, actually you'll be earning an opportunity uh, into our grand prize draw. Our grand prize this year is a trip for two to Las Vegas for the NHL Awards in June. That's the iconic moment. Listen in tomorrow and Sunday. It's brought to you by Iconic Electric and controls promoting a culture of quality since 2008 visit iconic ec.com
Ca. We're kicking off Pinder and Steinberg in just minutes, and we're doing it with NFL insider Jason Lockin for a week six is already underway. JLC early kicks us off next. Sportsnet 960, the fan. This Steinberg show brought to you by Fifth Avenue Auto House. It's Volksfest. Purchase a Tiguan, and you can get up to $2,500 cash purchase bonus and no charge on winter tires. Fifth Ave, VW.com.